Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. We continue this morning in our series, Unlikely Heroes. And what we're doing throughout this series is we're looking at people who, uh, who maybe play a small role, who do small things, uh, things that aren't seen by everybody else, things that aren't ever, people that aren't ever put in the spotlight, people that, that aren't ever uh, maybe even glorified or even given a position, but they do these small, consistent things that have a significant, big impact. And throughout this series, my hope, my desire would be that you would see the unlikely hero inside of you. And that whenever you see that, whenever you acknowledge who that person is inside of you, whatever that gifting is inside of you, my desire is and my hope is that you would cultivate it. That you would invest into it. That you would do it more often. A few that we've already looked at is we looked at the first week, we looked at the servant. The person that's always behind the scenes and that's always willing to help, to give a lending hand. Somebody that is always there or always trying to be there to help someone else out. And it just makes their heart feel good that they were able to help somebody else out. The second week, we looked at the encourager, the person that always just seems to have the right words to say, that person that takes the other person that is um, kind of a a castaway or on the outside, and they bring them in, and they bring them home. Um, Barnabas was that person for Paul, or known as Saul, now known as Paul. He, He was a man, Paul was a man who was rejected by Christianity just because of who he was in the past. But Barnabas brought him in and he encouraged him. And Paul ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Maybe you're that encourager and you can have the right words to say and to give to someone every now and then. I encourage you to work on that, to cultivate that. Last week we looked at the generous person, the person who just loves to give, who looks for opportunities to give. And I shared with you guys last week that this is who we are as a church. This is in our church culture. It is in the blood and the veins of this church. We are generous. We find and we look for opportunities to give where we can have a, an impact, a significant impact in the kingdom of God. And I shared with you guys how we were able to put together some money to send to 21 families in Egypt two years ago whenever they were martyred. ISIS took them by the sea and cut their heads off. And as they were, and as they were giving their lives, the last words that many of them said was, only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. And we were able to join other people's generosity and we were able to have an impact on every single one of those men's families' lives. And actually because of your generosity and everyone else's that joined, we were able to supply 18 months of their needs. That's incredible. So today we talk about the prayerful. The person that prays for others, a person that spends time in their chair, on their knees, or, or in their bedroom, or even driving down the road, but they take time to pray for others. So I want to share with you a a story. The year is 1964. 
back in 1964, this couple was getting married. And uh, obviously, when all couples get married, Josh, you're going to experience this in six months, right? And obviously, whenever uh, you begin, you, you take that first step into marriage, man, I mean, I'm sure all of you guys can relate. There's all kinds of anxiousness. There's all kinds of uh, you're excited about the future and what it holds for you and what you're going to get to do together, what your kids are going to look like, how many kids you're going to have. Everybody always asks me, EJ, how many more kids are you going to have? And I always tell them, you're asking the wrong person. I don't, it's. Shoot, I can have 30 of them. I, it, it, it doesn't affect me any. So you got to talk to the wife. She's the one that pops them out. Talk to her, not me. And so there, as, as you begin to get, as, you're, as you take that step into marriage, you begin to wonder all of these things. And will we have a boy first or will we have a girl first? And, and uh, what are we going to name them and all of these things? And, and, but little did they know that year 1964, as they got married, little did they know that all of the plans that they had and all of the, the hopes and dreams and expectations for their family, for their children, were going to be completely different and greater than what they were dreaming of. You see, because his mother was born again. She was a Christian. She loved Jesus. The only one in her entire family that knew Jesus. And she spent her days every single day praying for them. And in 1965, when that first boy was born, she prayed for him every day. At the age of 12, now, now this is what you got to understand, is everybody thought that she was just a lunatic. She's crazy. She's weird. Talking and praying to some guy in the sky. And so whenever she would come over to the house, the kids knew because the parents had trained them now, just whatever she says, just say, yeah, okay. Whoa. Anyways, whatever, whatever she says, then just don't worry about it. Just kind of shake it off, brush it off, whatever it is. And uh, so she would always come over and she'd take every opportunity that she could to pray with her grandchildren, to let them know about Jesus. And at the age of 12, she tells tells her oldest grandchild, she tells him, I will not die before I hear you preach. I will hear you preach a sermon before before I die. And at 12 years old, he has absolutely no idea who Jesus is, doesn't care who Jesus is, and just thinks, now she's really gone off the deep end. Sometime, some years later, a pastor comes and visits the family. And at 16 years old, that boy accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. About six months later, he preaches his very first message. And at the very back is Grandma. She's saying the only amens throughout the whole message. Sometimes I could really use that grandma in this church. Yeah, thank you. At age 16, he's saved. A few months later, he preaches his his first message. And she's in the back saying amen. And he doesn't, at, at first it doesn't even register. Actually, it doesn't register until he's about 18 years old and he's at Bible school. And he gets a phone call. Your grandmother has passed away. And as soon as he hears the words, 
He remembers her words. I will not die until I hear you preach the gospel. Immediately it hits him and it hits his heart. And he remembers it was because of her prayers that I'm here where I am today. Years later, he's been a part of about 20 church plants. Some successful, not some not so successful. He's been able to travel to several different uh, nations, preaching the gospel and then teaching and training pastors. His youngest sister, she went to that same Bible school that he went to. She's also pastoring a church. And there's no doubt that all of this was set into motion because a little old lady that they called Doña Chepa. Can y'all say that? Doña Chepa. See, she's my great-grandma. She prayed for my father. She prayed for my family. And it was because of her prayers that the ministry began and the impact that my father and my mother have had and then what I'm doing right here, right now in this place. I would not be here if it wasn't for her prayers. So today we look at that. We look at how impactful, how important people who just pray for others are. Let's pray and then we'll get into this. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your gift. We thank you so much for your presence that we feel right here, right now in this place. We ask you, God, that you would just open up our minds and our hearts this morning. Help us to understand how important this gift is. Lord, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says... Amen. Amen. Just in case you don't already have it, unlikely heroes do the small things that make a big difference. Unlikely heroes do the small things that make the big difference. You see, the prayerful don't only pray for their own needs, but they also pray for the needs of others. The prayerful don't only pray for their own needs, not just for what they feel, what they're going through, what they lack in that day or, or, or whatever they want help with, but they take time to actually pray more for others than they do themselves. And that is, friends, that is a significant gift. And I understand whenever I I begin to talk about prayer, I understand that this is something that outside of the church world isn't really understood. Because let's be honest, most of us could find more fun things to do than to pray for 15 minutes. Right? Most of us can find better things to do, more fun things, or, or just things that we need to get done. And if we're honest, most of us, if we try to set that clock and pray for 15 minutes, about three minutes into it, we we, we could swear we just did 35 minutes. iPhone must be broken. There's no way that was three minutes. So if you have this gift. If God has just given you this gift, or maybe you didn't, God didn't just give it to you. Maybe you've worked it over the years. And you have this gift of being able to pray for others more than you do yourself. First of all, I just want to say thank you for praying for others. 
I want to say, God bless you for praying for others. And I believe that God has blessed you. I believe God will continue to bless you. So the prayer for, this is what they do. They pray for others more than they pray for themselves. And their prayers are motivated by their passion to see others walk with God. Colossians chapter nine, uh, chapter one, excuse me, verses nine and 10. Go ahead and go there just because this is, this is great for you to read. Colossians chapter one, verses nine and 10. Colossians is one of those difficult books to find in the Bible. But it's towards the very back. If you run into like 1 Thessalonians and Timothy and all that, you just, you barely get past it. Go back to the left just a little bit. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him before fruitful in being, excuse me, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Their prayers, the prayerful, their prayers are motivated by the passion to see others walk with God. The truth is, you are probably here today because somebody prayed for you. More likely, somebody spent some time praying for you. And it could have been, maybe it, it was your parents, or maybe it was somebody outside of your family. Maybe it was your spouse, but you are most likely, the reason you are here today is because somebody has spent some time praying for you. So the prayerful, the reason they do pray for others so much is because they have a passion, they have a desire, they have a want to see others walk with God. When we pray for others, it shifts our focus from what we, we can't do to what God can do. Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through seven, Peter's walking down the streets and there's this man that was born um, uh, lame. He couldn't walk. His, his, his legs simply did not work. And so every day, whenever it was church time, basically, some people would pick him up and they'd take him next to the gate so that he could beg the churchgoers for money. Because after all, they're Christians they're supposed to give, right? The dude was smart. The dude was smart. And so he's there. He's there at the gate and Peter and his buddies are coming up and so and he begins to ask them for money and Peter looks at him and the man begins to look at Peter thinking he's about to get some money and Peter responds with, I don't have silver and I don't have gold. I don't have any silver, I don't have any, bro- uh, any gold. So the man is saying, Peter's saying, dude, I'm broke. Have you ever been broke? Somebody asks you for money and you're like, dude, I don't got none. Somebody asks you for gum, oh, they took, the, they, they took the last piece. I'm gum broke. So that's what Peter's doing. Or I'm not, I'm not saying he's faking it. I mean, that Peter was literally broke. So this man's begging for money. And Peter, instead of putting his focus though, on what he couldn't give, on what he couldn't do, because he could have easily kept on walking by. He could have easily said, you know what, dude? Look at that. Empty pockets. No money. I'm sorry, but I got to go inside now. He probably had to preach or something. But what Peter responds with, I don't have silver. I don't have any gold. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And Peter prays for him. And immediately the man gets up and he can walk. 
Now, let me ask you this. What was more important? What was for me, more meaningful for the man? If Peter would have been able to pull out $100 and give it to him or the fact that Peter prayed for him, what was more meaningful? Peter praying, obviously. Even if Peter would have written him a check for $1,000, the prayer that Peter gave for that man had more impact and was more powerful than any amount of money. Because $100, $1,000, that was going to run out. He might live and eat like a king for a few days or a few weeks or a couple of months. But eventually that's going to run out. But the prayers that Peter gave for him, did for him, had such an impact that it changed his life forever. And you see, when you begin to pray for other people, you take your focus, you shift your focus, you shift their focus from what you can't do, and you place it on what God can do. So let's not focus And let's not, whenever somebody asks us for help or when somebody's in need and we don't have the means to help them, instead of focusing on what we can't do, let's focus on what God can do. And let's pray for them. Let's give prayer for for them. When we pray for others, we invite heaven to fight on our side. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. Peter is actually in jail, and he's in jail, not for, not for like driving drunk or something like that. But Peter is in jail just for simply preaching the gospel. But the Bible says, in, in these verses, it says that the church prayed so much for Peter. They prayed so much for Peter. You know what happened through their prayers? An angel actually shows up in the jail cell. Looks at Peter's and says, get up, follow me. And the Bible actually says that Peter is kind of like, I guess he feels like he's sleepwalking. He actually, the Bible says he didn't think it was real. So he feels like he's dreaming. And he goes past one guard and then he goes past a second guard and he's following this angel. And then next thing you know, he's out in the street and that's whenever he realizes this is real life. Did you ever watch that video of that kid that was like they did dental surgery on him or something? And he's like looking at his hand. He's like, is this real life? Like he's freaking out, man. He's tripping big time. Peter's kind of in that scenario. He doesn't understand that what is going on. He's not dreaming. He actually gets up and he walks past two guards and he's out in the streets. He's completely free. His shackles had been freed from his from his wrists and from his ankles. You see, whenever we pray for others, whenever we begin to pray, and and not only for others, but for ourselves and for our families, when we begin to pray, what we do is we invite heaven to fight on our side. You see, you can either face everything that you face alone and on your own and through your own strength. You can you can either, uh, you know, tell other people to you can give them advice and maybe sometimes it's even great advice or you can invite heaven to fight on your side. I don't know about you, but to me, it makes sense to invite heaven to fight on my side. It seems like that battle, I have a lot more chance of winning. You see, the problem is so many of us have have faced and, and maybe some of us have tried to change some areas of our lives. And we've seen other people try to change areas of their lives. 
But the problem is we always try to do it by our own strength. The tr- problem is we try to like go through this 12-step program or, or we try to follow somebody else's ideas. When the reality is if we would just invite heaven to fight on our side, maybe instead of falling back over and over and over and over again, maybe we would actually see progress. Maybe our lives would actually begin to be changed if we would just invite heaven to fight on our side. That's exactly what we do whenever we pray. Whenever we pray for ourselves, when we pray for our families, or when we pray for others. We're inviting heaven to pray or to fight on our side. So God says in Zechariah, I want you to, I want you to go there. Zechariah's towards the very back of the Old Testament. So if you hit the New Testament, just go back to the left just a little bit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So if you're going backwards, you'll hit Matthew, Malachi, Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to, we're just going to call him Z. This is the word of the Lord to Z. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Through prayer, we invite God's strength to take over. When we begin to pray, when we're praying for others, and when we're praying for our families, and when we're praying for our children, for our spouse, What we do is we begin to invite God's strength to take over. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. This life was not meant for you to live alone. This life was not meant for you to walk through it alone. The struggles and the battles that you face were not meant For you to go through them alone. You need God's strength. Other people need God's strength. You see, my dad and my grandparents, they wanted absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. But there's no doubt that the prayers that my great-grandmother had and said for them affected their lives. You see, when we begin to pray for others and when others are praying for us, our lives are affected and changed and we don't even know it. We may not see it. We may not acknowledge it at all, but your lives are affected and changed. You know, this week my heart was broken. I'm just sitting there and I'm scrolling through social media. And as I'm scrolling, I see about three or four people Asking for prayer for whatever. Some of them say, uh, actually giving the details and others just asking for prayers. And you know, I, 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 if any of us have, for those of you that do have social media, more than likely you've, you've grown accustomed to it. And, and, and what most people do is you'll press the like button or you'll hit it down until the heart comes up. And then you'll comment either prayers or the little prayer hands. And as I'm kind of scrolling through that and I see those three or four, it just hits me. And it broke my heart, the fact that 
some of them, not all of them, but some of them, the reason they go to social media and ask for prayers is because that's the only place they might get somebody to pray for them. Because they don't have anybody that they can go to and seriously say, would you please pray with me? Would you please pray for me? Would you please pray for this situation? And so what we do is we just throw it up on social media hoping that among all of the likes and among all of the comments that somebody actually will pray for us. You see, those of you that have this gift of prayer, you go beyond the comment. You go beyond the like. You go beyond the emoji prayers. And you actually take your time and you pray for others. See, the truth is, the reality is, every single one of us, we need someone to pray for us. We need someone constantly, consistently praying for us. And we need to be constantly, consistently praying for others. We need others praying for us. We need to be praying for others. This is why church is important. This is why small groups, I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, if you're not a part of a small group, I encourage you, get with me. Let's put you in a small group. You don't have to go through life by yourself. I guarantee you there are people that would love to pray with you. Friday night we had our small group and, and uh, Cynthia shared with us that she had the opportunity to meet somebody that was going through, they're going through just something horrific, extremely painful. And, and we don't know what their beliefs are. We don't know if they believe in God. We don't know if they love God. We, we don't know any of that. But what Cynthia did so wisely is she let them know, I'm going to be praying for you. A couple of days later, she sees a person again. And he asks, so did you? Take Cynthia just a little bit and then she gets it. She said, yes, I did. And the man responds with, I felt it. I felt it. Again, we don't know what his beliefs are. We don't know if he's ever been to church. We don't know if he loves God. We don't even know if he knows who God really is. But the truth is that the prayers of a stranger that he only met for a few moments, impacted and affected his life. You see, that's what you do when you pray for others. You may not ever see them. You may not ever get, maybe nobody ever write a book about you. Maybe nobody will give you any type of reward for it. But whenever you take time out of your day and you pray for others, There's no doubt in my mind and there's no doubt in heaven that heaven hears you. Heaven begins to fight on their side and you impact their life. There's no measure to how great of an impact your prayers can have on somebody's life and on other people's lives. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.theremodelchurch.com.